From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 31. Today's show is brought to you by Igloo and Smile with PDF Pen Scan Plus. This is an extra special episode today. We have a second episode in the week. You guys thought that we wouldn't be back till next week till you have me, but here I am. I'm back from my holiday and talking to Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike. Welcome back. Uh, it was very funny when I was listening to last week's episode, and you were like, oh, Mike, we'll be back next week. And I'm like, little do they know. Well, did you see at the end of the, uh, that, and that was that wasn't last week's episode. That was this week's episode. This we just have episode. another one. Um, at the end, I said, we'll be back next week. And then I said, we'll see you soon. <laughs> dun, 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 <laughs> that was foreshadowing, because I didn't want to say, we'll see you next week, because I knew we would actually be back before then. And Indeed. so here we and are. Here we are. Mm-hmm. And here we are. So uh, the reason we're doing this today is because uh, today the review embargo lifted yeah. for the new MacBook, the new 12-inch MacBook, um, and you have one of them, and you've been you've been testing out for a couple of weeks, and you're happy to say <laughs> that you like it. It's not a couple of weeks. I actually got so I got home from my my very long European uh, journey on uh, Friday, and Saturday morning I got it. So I've only had it I've only had it uh, less than a week. Right. Less than a week. Right. I, I could have probably gotten it. I think the previous Tuesday was when they were going to ship them out, and I told them that I was in Ireland and that they should. Uh, they 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 said we'll just ship it to have it arrive when you get home. So that's what so. How many days have you actually had it in your person? This is day six. So five six. five days uh, covering the writing of the review that I had it. Right, and how long? So you would have had it for like maybe another four or five. Yeah, I would have had it for another. I would have had it for another four. Yeah, because the embargo was a Thursday, and they were they were going to ship it out on Tuesday. So, you know, really, I would have had it for for an extra, yeah, extra three or four days. Okay, but I was um, in, I was having too much fun in uh, Ireland, so that didn't happen. I asked them if they could send it to Ireland, and they said no. So it's fine. Fair enough. Hey, it's worth a go. Yeah. So I have two very quick pieces of follow up on last week's episode. You mean because... this week's episode? Oh, the last episode. <laughs> yes, episode thirty, the Syracuse episode. Uh, yeah, I got home a couple of hours ago. I'm, I'm yeah. kind of all over the place. I don't know what day of the week it is. I haven't known what day of the week it is for two weeks. It feels like Monday though, doesn't it? Because we're talking. It, fe- it feels like Monday now, yeah. and, and also I just recorded with Casey, so I don't know where I am. I'm recording connected mm-hmm. later. I don't know what's going on. I, I I know what that's like. That was my that was my weekend. Very confusing. I had no idea when I was recording with Casey. So I have two, <laughs> I have two, two, two sentences. It's all I have. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I thought that the ad reads were great, and you did a good job because you said you thought they were bad, and I thought they were very good. It was just weird. You, you, you were in charge of this show. This is the one podcast I do that I'm not in charge of, and I was, I had to be in charge of it. It was very strange. And the, the other thing is, um, I would like to issue an open challenge to John Syracuse to pull my beard at WWDC. Mm. To prove because, that you're the real Mike or the the yeah, and not the clone the twin Mike. I yeah. was on a plane uh, doing that thing where you're like shaking of laughter and people think you're crazy. Uh, <laughs> I know that that, thing. that was what was happening to me. Mm. Nice. So yeah, really great episode. It was it was nice to hear you two talking together, and uh, I'm very excited for Robot or Not. Yes, um, we're we're laying we're laying the foundations. I'm way more excited than John is. I think about that. <laughs> we all are, <laughs> but he he's he's uh, he's he's warming up to it. So so we'll, well, we'll do some robot. He or was not. being very very protective. Yeah, of it. he yeah. wouldn't let you spoil it. I think that was telling that that he thought I was going to ruin it by uh, talking yep. about it too far in advance. So 
That's good. Yeah, that was good. We got. I should say we also got a lot of follow up from people. We were talking about how um, when uh, one of my complaints about uh, uh, one section of the Becoming Steve Jobs book is they talk about the iPhone being a uh, the first iPhone being a disappointment because it didn't run apps, which fits into their whole narrative about how the App Store was this wonderful thing, which it was. But um, you know, I thought people really loved the iPhone and were obsessed with the iPhone. It was a huge talking point. Everybody was talking about they wanted one and could they get one and um, I remember that from the time, and it doesn't really fit with their idea that, oh, it doesn't have third-party apps, so we're, we're not excited about it. I think that's a bogus claim. And we said at, at, during that, like, because um, they said it doesn't run powerful spreadsheets, and John and I were both laughing about, like, who wanted powerful spreadsheets on their phones back then? And we heard from everybody who was using Windows Mobile at the time that had, like, a mobile version of Excel saying, well, actually, I was running powerful spreadsheets on my phone, which... I, I, if we if we said no no phones ran spreadsheets in in 2007, I will apologize for that. But I think you're missing the point. The point is, I think regular people did not think of the iPhone and think that is a device that I would like to run a powerful spreadsheet on, or indeed, really third party apps. I think the iPhone was a uh, quite a phenomenon in the first generation before the App Store came out. That was what we were saying. I think that the, I think that the book is wrong in saying that it was a disappointment. It was a disappointment to super tech nerds and to developers that they couldn't develop for it right out of the box. But I remember everybody I knew asking me about the iPhone when it was coming out. Yep. People were really excited about it. And so to say that the iPhone's first, like the, like the iPod, because it didn't run on PCs, the first generation, although we all thought it was pretty amazing, it was not in the public consciousness. The iPhone was in the public consciousness from the beginning. And if your book claims that it was kind of a swing in the miss and it wasn't until the App Store that the iPhone caught fire, I think your book is wrong. So Yeah, I, I got to that part today. Like I, I've just gotten to that bit in the book, and I was sitting on the plane listening to it. And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" I know it. It's, like, well, you, where does this information come from? Well, and you, you've been doing with behind the app. I mean, it, there, there's enthusiasm that developers had for for it. There's no doubt. And we, there were um, several people. I remember in the days afterward, that I was on a podcast with John Gruber and Merlin Mann, where we we basically said, "There's going to be an app store in a year." We were t- already talking about it. It's like it'll be next year, and it'll be curated, and that's what exactly what happened. Um, where these guys, yeah, like, like I said, I, I feel like they're the problem I have with the book because I, I i don't dislike the book like john disliked the first 10 percent of the book <laughs> uh, let's keep that in mind uh i i don't feel as negatively about it but i do have uh, at, at several points i see this narrative they're trying to build and i say no that's not real that didn't actually happen and that doesn't make me um super enthusiastic about the other parts of the book that i don't know the facts of um because i have to take them at their word and i, I get that they're trying to tell a certain kind of story but things that in it are not do not align with my recollection of how the world was then so but anyway the point is if you used um uh, i heard from somebody who said they used a blackberry because they needed to do ssh and the first iphone couldn't do an ssh connection okay fair enough and if you you wanted to use excel you could do that on windows mobile fair enough i i will grant you that but that's sort of not not was not our larger point that's all. That's all I wanted to say. So that was that was an interesting trend that I heard that we were being dismissive of of apps generally. Not speaking of of um, particular applications with very technical people, but sort of like the the mass of enthusiastic regular people um, who were really excited about the iPhone, even though it didn't run any apps other than the ones that were stock. 
Yeah, I was I was dumbfounded. Like I was like, because yeah. you know you're saying about how a lot of it, and I agree with you. We were talking about it last week. Um, that a lot of the book comes from the place of the business writer, and like you know we were talking about the irrelevancy, and you and John spoke about that again on this week's episode. I'm so confused. Uh, <laughs> episode uh, thirty. Episode thirty. We'll go with that. Syracuse at times, uh, and and I get I get that they they maybe be a bit blinded by that, but the even from a business standpoint, the iPhone was an incredible success. Like I I don't understand who said it was a a bad thing. Like I don't uh, I don't know. I that was just one of the things. I think that's actually of everything that I've read. That was the thing where I was like, you guys have got that so wrong, and I don't know who proofread this for you. I don't know who fact-checked this for you because they missed this. <laughs> really, just I was very, very surprised by that bit. So, Jason, I have a couple of questions for you in regards to the review of two parts. Um, I want to get into those in a moment. But before we do that, let's take a break to thank our first sponsor of this week's episode, and that is our friends over at Igloo. They provide you with the internet you actually like. Why invest in the latest, sleekest devices like this beautiful new MacBook if you're going to use them to stare at an intranet that looks like it was built in the 90s? Well, this is where Igloo comes in. Not only can be Igloo be customized to look exactly like your company's colors, it can have your logo and just fit the exact type of look and feel that you want, but with its responsive web design, it's going to look fantastic on almost any device that you're using, including the new 12-inch MacBook or the iPhone 6, the 6 Plus, or maybe the iPad mini, anything. It's got a web browser, it's going to look fantastic. And just like your favorite Apple devices, Igloo helps you do your best work. It allows you to share files, coordinate calendars, provide status updates, and manage projects. Igloo is not just for your traditional intranet stuff like HR policies and expense forms. It also lets you work better together with your teams. Igloo's latest upgrade, Viking, revolves around documents and how you interact with them, gather feedback, and make changes. They've added the ability to track who has read critical information to keep everyone on the same page. It's kind of like read receipts in your email, but way less annoying. It helps you keep track of whether employees have read and acknowledged important documents or policy documents or training materials. If your company has a legacy intranet that looks like it was built in the 90s, you should be giving Igloo a try. Igloo understands that love doesn't just happen overnight. So if you sign up right now, you can try out Igloo for free for up to 10 people, any team, up to 10 people for as long as you want. Sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash upgrade. Thank you so much to Igloo for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Mr. Jason Snell. Yes, Mr. I, Michael. You have two parts of, of your review. One lives on Macworld and one lives on Six Colors this time, yeah? Yeah. I, I So, Macworld... Uh, said they wanted me to write the review and I don't work for them anymore. So they have to pay me to write it, which is, uh, fine because I uh, do freelance work now. And I think me writing, me writing Mac world, uh, Mac reviews is something I'm, I know how to do that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was happy to do that. And if they did, hadn't wanted me to, I would have written it on six colors, but they were, they wanted me to do the kind of full on thing for them. So, so I did. And then as with the iPhone actually last fall, which is for some different reasons, um, as I was leaving Macworld, I did a, you know, I did sort of like bonus track material on six colors with sort of, uh, which we used to do that sort of like both of those stories on Macworld back in the day. So that seemed to be a way for me to put some MacBook material on six colors and link to my review at Macworld. 
I like it. Well, I mean, it's good because if you're a six colors reader, especially you kind of get everything because it, you see the link to the the main review and then you get your extra part as well, which is good. Yeah, yeah, and and that lets me. I wrote that. I mean, I literally wrote them in order. I I turned in my thirty five hundred word review to Susie at MacWorld at noon yesterday, and then in the afternoon I wrote the I wrote the notebook, which is like all the stuff I couldn't fit in, and maybe a little more personal take on some of the things that I that I was in there. I got to like work through some of my feelings about the about the uh, about the keyboard. I got to talk a little bit more about the the display, which is um, which the Apple made some interesting decisions with the display and and yeah. So so that was that was the idea there. Um, I I imagine I will you know I will write some reviews for MacWorld as long as they want to do it and if the timing and the and the pay works then that'll be great. And other stuff I'll just review on Six Colors and that's fine too. And you know like I said I, people will have noticed I I've written stuff in a bunch of different places. I am definitely trying to have freelance be part of what I do in addition to Six Colors and the podcast stuff. It's all part of a kind of a whole of me trying to figure out the best way to get uh, to support my family and remain independent, which is what I'm uh, working at here, like you are. Yeah, and you need to spread the Jason Snow message far and wide, you know? Well, I think it's good for Six Colors to for me to appear, especially Macworld readers who know me but might not know that I have, I'm still doing stuff, that I, I can provide Macworld readers with the review they expect, and that's good. And then also, you know, they can see say, oh, yeah, that guy, what's he doing now? And I think that's good for me. Right, so we have been asking our listeners to provide uh, our upgradians, as you as you may say, to provide their questions via the Ask Upgrade. But I've read through both pieces, and I have some questions and comments of my own, if that's okay. Sure. So I kind of want to start off with a big one, um, and and maybe this will help lead into some overall feelings about how you feel about the new MacBook. Uh, you got the space gray one, that's right. Yeah. Um. If you were going to design this machine, if Apple came to you today and gave you the power to change stuff about this machine, what would you change? And this is considering your needs first, and then maybe also secondarily considering the needs of the average consumer. You can you can design two machines if you want to. Uh, you, you had to start with the most like outlandish... Uh-huh. Uh, question. Uh, okay, so let me get this straight. So I can make any change I want for me, and then I can make any change I want for everyone else? Yeah. So, because my, my, my feeling about this is, like, I think, we'll talk about the keyboard a bit more, but I think that maybe you would change that for you, but wouldn't necessarily need to change it for the world? Yeah, well, wow. Um, uh, the keyboard... For me, the, for me, the keyboard is the deal breaker, and I'm not sure it's an actual deal breaker or whether it's just the thing that I I, I, I like the least about it. But um, that key, that keyboard is not great. It, it it, and it's interesting because talking uh, to Apple, I get the sense that you know sometimes you have your your conversations with people at Apple about products, and they're like they're hitting all the like this is revolutionary and it's going to be it's everybody's going to love it and this is the way things are going to be in the future. I didn't get that sense from them about the keyboard. It felt to me like they were acknowledging, look, we know that the reduced travel, the, you know, the keys physically just don't move very much up and down. We know that that's a, a problem. So we've engineered a bunch of other things to try and offset it as much as can to, as we can to mitigate it. So they've got the new, the little butterfly mechanism and they've got the, 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 the stainless steel 
things that it, it's hit, they're hitting on, um, and uh, it so it makes it a little kind of clicky. Um, it's got uh, the the wider keys; they're more stable. They're all these things that they're trying to do. All of which is tr- true, and I think actually does improve the feel. Um, but in the end, it still doesn't have very much key travel and feels all, you know, like I said at the, the, the time when, when I went to the event, it's like halfway between a real keyboard and it, like typing on an iPad. There's more movement than the iPad where there's physically nothing. You're just hitting glass, but not a lot more. It's, it's pretty dramatic. I think it's less than half of the movement of the standard Apple keyboard. Um, so I would change that because when I think about buying one of these down the road here, that's the one that I'm like, would I really want that to be the thing that I was doing all my typing on? Would I write, you know, hundreds of thousands of words on that keyboard? And I was able to type. I went to typeracer.com, which is my choice for testing my typing speed. And uh, I was able to do 120 words per minute on it. So, you know, I, it was it was perfectly fine in terms of speed. But I just don't like the feel of it, and I'm—I don't feel like I'm a giant keyboard nerd like John Gruber and some other people who are like super obsessive about keyboards in a way that I'm not. Um, I actually like the current Apple keyboard design, but um, the MacBook keyboard just doesn't work for me. You know, you get used to it, but I didn't like it. So I think that would be what I would change first off: is find a way to make a, a computer that's roughly this thin and light, but have a better keyboard, have more more movement in the keyboard. Maybe it's a maybe it's a magical uh, thing that you know when the key, computer's closed, the the keys are all nestled snugly, and then when you open it up, they pop out to reveal more travel. I don't know. I mean, this is why they engineered it the way they did, and and they knew it was going to be a compromise. But I don't love it. So that would be the thing I would change for for everybody else. I mean, I obviously I would say um, I would say you need a second USB port. Um, and that would, that would make things easier or an old style USB port or a Thunderbolt port or something like that, just because it would be more flexible that way. I think a second USB-C port even would be good enough. I would also probably put an adapter in the box. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that would be if I had like magic superpowers and there was no, uh, like economic reality (laughs) and technical reality, which is, it is the product that it is, but, um, you know, that would be keyboard for me. Um, dealing with the port issue maybe for everyone else so that question and my next question they're like the reason i'm asking these weird questions is because i want to try and give a sense to people for how you feel about the machine without rehashing the review you know Mm -hmm. so my next question is you talk about and i know you speak you are one of the people that speak very fondly of the 12 inch power book yeah um what made you love the 12 inch power book that's missing from this macbook because in theory this is the spiritual successor to that machine and this is the machine that, you know everybody wanted that machine forever right the 12 yeah. they wanted the 12 inch power mm-hmm. book and they kind of got it with the 11 inch macbook air but but just still needed that little thing and, and i'm i assume that when they when apple brought this out on stage many people were like that's it they've given me the 12 inch power book well, again the- the, what they did with a 12-inch PowerBook was they put they they said the, this is a computer that's defined by the width of the keyboard, and we wanted to make it as narrow as possible, so we'll make it exactly the width of the keyboard. The MacBook is kind of like that, although there's a little bit more. The 12-inch PowerBook is still the the narrowest Mac laptop ever. There's a little more space on this than there was on the sides, and and it's a slightly wider keyboard, I believe, than uh, the standard Apple keyboard, just slightly, but it's slight spread slightly wider. Um, I think the 11 inch was a perfectly fine um, 
you know, uh, spiritual successor to the to the twelve inch power book as a you know making this as little as possible is the goal, as light and thin and uh, small as possible is the goal, and and the the eleven inch air feels like that, and and certainly this MacBook feels like that too. Um, I, you know, I I think. I think the I don't even know what to say beyond that. I think the twelve inch power book was more of a it wasn't entirely like fully featured, but you know it had lots of ports and stuff. It was from an era where you you needed to have all all of the ports and you know again the you the one port I actually am not sure which is a bigger deal the fact that you can't have an external device hooked into it um, and charge without extra stuff. Or whether it's just that USB-C is different and everybody's going to have to buy adapters. I think one of the biggest things is going to be, you know, if you've got one of these MacBooks and you do presentations, you're going to need to, you know, buy probably a couple of different video adapters and just carry them with you everywhere. Which is a fact of life that many Mac uh, laptop people had to do in the past. But for the last few years, you could... You know, people, maybe not everywhere, but that mini DisplayPort plug had 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 a long time to propagate. And so it was a lot easier to assume that the, the right adapter would be there. And, uh, you know, that's that's a change with this. Although I think maybe the 12-inch PowerBook had a weird video, like a mini, mini VGA or mini DVI or something that you always had to carry the adapter around. It's in the ballpark. I think these are all, the 12-inch, when it went away, there was sort of nothing for a, for a long time. And like, I used an iBook for a while, even though even though I, I consider myself a pro user, I used an iBook for a while because it was small. Um, and uh, and then the 11-inch MacBook Air and the MacBook definitely fits into that um, that genre. It's it's very much of the kind. And it is the first one because um, the Air had a lot of extra space on the sides of the keyboard. It is the first uh, Mac laptop since the 12-inch the, the PowerBook to have it. Like the keyboard is really the constraining feature of the product. I want to come back to the keyboard because um, there's there's some stuff other stuff that you talk about in regards to that. But this is something that many people have spoken about, but I'm interested for your take on it. Do you think it's fair to say that this Mac is the first Mac to take big steps towards being closer to iOS? Like soft, the software has been moving in that direction, but this machine seems to take hardware cues from it too. And I know this this is kind of crossing the line, but you mentioned like when you plug in the charging cord, it it chimes at you rather than mm-hmm. giving you the light. So it feels like, and you know, with the battery and the way that you configure it, where you buy it on the store page and you've got colors and you're taking away the, the, uh, the, the, the illuminated logo and putting, you know, do you feel that this is maybe the first Mac, which is kind of starting to bridge the gap? Yeah, this, this is a Mac designed with, um, I mean, this is a, this is the iPad of Macs. That's how I feel like it is. It's the iPad of Macs. It's it comes in the iPad and and iPhone colors. Um, it when you plug it in, uh, you plug it in with a little thing, and it's you know the USB C is bigger than Lightning, but it's the same kind of shape. And you plug it in, and it's got the one port, and that port you use for any peripherals you want or for power, just like the iPad. It's got a headphone jack. That's the only other jack on it. It it uh, you know it it chimes when you plug it in like an iPad. If you've got it shut down and you plug it in, the screen will actually light up briefly and tell you how much battery is left. That's a very iPad and not Mac kind of thing to do. It definitely the feel of it, it. It's informed by the the iPad. It's not an iPad. It's a it's a Mac laptop, absolutely. But this is this feels like the premise behind this product was: Can we take everything we've learned from the iPad and put it in a in a in a MacBook? So let's go back to the keyboard. Um, 
so right at the right at the start, you kind of open your piece, and you're talking about it just then with the power book. In that, the, having a full size keyboard dictates so much about the design. It gives you your dimensions, and in some respects, gives you your thickness and that kind of stuff. If you want to have a full size keyboard in this thing, it will dictate a lot of the stuff that you do. Um, and then a quote from your review, you say, if you're not a keyboard snob, you may not even notice the difference. But if there's any single feature that would make me reluctant to buy a MacBook, it would be the keyboard. Mm-hmm. So I find it interesting that, like, you know, you, you appreciate, and, it, and it's definitely, I, th- I think, is the case, that, like, Apple constrained themselves from a design perspective to incorporate the keyboard in as full a design as it can. But actually, in then, in trying to do other things, they've made the keyboard worse. Do you think that Apple forded themselves by insisting so much of the design focus on the keyboard that in and of itself is makes an inferior typing experience? So like they they they've pushed so they have made like it will be this big because we want a full size keyboard, but the keyboard's still not as good as it could be or should be anyway. So should they have actually then just made the keyboard smaller or made the whole thing smaller? Well, there's a philosophy at work here that is interesting and and it's uh, it's design. It's all about choices. They decided that thinness was important. Um, they they decided, and this is something that I believe Apple has felt for a long time, which is the the size of the keyboard is inviolate. That the 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 you cannot shrink the keyboard. Which I as somebody who at one point I I wrote a story where I was using um, the a, a netbook that had shrunk down keys, and it was just it was awful. Like it was, I could not use it because all the keys now are in completely different positions than I had learned uh, how to type on. And every other keyboard in the world was not like that, but this one was different and it was terrible and I hated it. Um, and I, I think Apple said, look, we're not going to mess with that. That That is where we're starting here is the keyboard is the size that it is. And that's just how it's going to be. What else can we do? And And from Apple's perspective, the reducing the travel but doing these other things to kind of offset some of the the issues with it was that was the trade-off that they wanted to make in order to get that you know physically to to have it be that much thinner so that they didn't have you know the, the because the way it works they have very little room to to work here and so these these keys are barely above the the metal and they go down to you know essentially flush there's not a whole lot and then there's whatever is under there the mechanism and the light um it, it's super narrow so they decided that they weren't willing to sacrifice the thinness of the computer to have key key travel um but they weren't you know they weren't willing to go beyond that they were not willing to sacrifice the key layout and you know fair enough uh, it's an interesting set of set of uh of uh trade-offs to make and for me as somebody who you know and i i want to put this in perspective i do a lot of writing on a keyboard that this is you know other than the talking part that you and i are doing the other part of my professional life is typing things um in my personal life i because i'm i write like books and stuff that one day maybe i'll get back to when i'm not doing all these podcasts um and so for me, the keyboard really matters. And, and I type really fast. And, and I, so I have lots of opinions about keyboards. So Apple's saying, look, most people aren't going to care. Most people aren't going to care. And we've done some things to offset it, so it's not that big a deal. That could be wrong. They could just, people could, you know, they'll do research. I'm sure they'll do research and find out that people, you know, people's satisfaction with the MacBook 
uh, maybe it goes down. And one of the reasons why is they don't like the keyboard. Or maybe it doesn't change at all because nobody cares. And then they're like, all right, we made the right call there. The people who really care can use a different device with a different keyboard. But, but you know, the market for this, uh, they're, they're fine with it. And they'll, I'm sure they will look at that. And, and honestly, if, if what they find is that this keyboard um, is too great a compromise for a lot of people, then that, they'll put that on their list of, is there something else we could do to make the keyboard better? And they may already think that. I mean, I, it doesn't sound very Apple to just accept, well, it's compromised, but whatever, what are you going to do? And then move on. They may, they may still be thinking, are there ways that we can make this better? I, I hope that they're not thinking it's the best and all of our keyboards will be like this from now on. I hope they're not thinking that. Um, but like I said, I got the vibe when I talked to some people at Apple that 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 Apple was aware that this is a uh, this is a compromise, and that the other things they put into this keyboard were were you know maybe meant to offset the fact that they were taking all that key travel away. Because at some point, you might as well just have it be a touchscreen down there with with taptic engine on it and just not even move and just have it be glass at some point why even bother with having keys and calling them keys if they travel almost nothing at all you could just fool us like that like they do with the force touch trackpad at that point had you thought of that before you just said that like the idea of them just putting a, a touch screen down there yeah yeah sure sure i mean at uh, at some point you know, you could do that, and and then you could say, oh well, and it's programmable. It can be anything down there, and you can be a control surface and all that. I think that's I think that's a long way to go, and I think there's a lot of extra technology, and that's another screen you have to drive. And you know, I don't know if that'll ever happen on on a Mac, but um, at some point, your keyboard isn't much more than a touch screen. Uh, when there's when you've got no travel left move. or almost no no yeah. travel, then then why is it even there other than to like fool you into thinking that the keys move? So yeah. And, and now Apple, I think I, Apple has technology that can fool you. So it's yeah. it's, an, yeah, it's an interesting yeah. it's an interesting thought experiment. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, you know everybody should try it for themselves. Uh, go to the Apple Store and just type around on it a little bit, and you'll, you'll see it's a very it's a very different kind of experience. The the keys don't move very much, and you know for a lot of people they probably don't care. And 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 I think that's what Apple's Apple's banking on is that is that most people aren't going to care about this. Um, I thought I would get over it after using it for five or six days. I thought I would be used to it, and then I went back to my other keyboard briefly, and I was like, oh my, oh thank God, you know, it was just like a huge relief. And then I went back to the MacBook keyboard, and I'm like, oh no, this thing again. And that's when I knew, like, I hadn't adapted to it. I had I had endured it, but I hadn't adapted to it. Are you worried that we're going to see new keyboards in this style? Do you think that Apple are going to take things they've learned from this keyboard and adapt it out to the rest of the line? You know, the Force Touch trackpad, I think, would be great everywhere, and I think I think we will see that everywhere eventually. This keyboard, I don't know. If you would ask me um, when they announced it, I, I've been worried about that they, they were going to think that this is a thing that they should roll out everywhere. Now, you know, like I said... It seems like Apple is aware that this is a compromise for thinness and that um, I hope that means, you know, I hope that's code for we're only going to use this when we really absolutely need something that's super thin and otherwise we're not because it's it's it, it feels like it's too far. I, I think pushing this into every, if, if all the new Apple Bluetooth keyboards and all the, you know, even on big laptops have this little tiny thing, I think that would be unfortunate. Um, but, you know, I don't. I don't make the rules, so I'm hopeful that they that they're aware 
that it is a compromise for thinness and maybe they wouldn't push it into other parts of the, the line. What about the design? So like the, the bigger keycaps and the San Francisco font? Um. Yeah, we're pretty far down in the weeds when we're talking about the font that letters are printed on a key a keyboard. It's fine. It's nice. It's nice. Um. The the bigger keys take some getting used to. I don't like the full size left and right arrows with the half sized up and down arrows. There are a bunch of us who have talked about this today on the on the internet. Jim Dalrymple mentioned it. John Gruber mentioned it. Um. Turns out that I navigate. Uh, arrow keys. I orient my uh, fingers on the arrow keys based on the, the the spacing around the arrow keys, which is now gone. Um, so now you have to orient based on the fact that there's one key that is split in half, and that's the up and down arrow key. And it's just a, it's different. I don't I don't particularly like it. I I think I think all of it I would get used to. Um, the you can you know the 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 bigger spread keys mean you can miss. Uh, more and still hit the hit the key if you're a less precise typist that's a good thing um i think i think it's all fine I, for me for me it all comes back to the travel um also i should say the backlighting i i find um uh problematic they've got this new backlighting everything's individually lit and that's nice but some of the keys feel like they're not uniformly lit <laughs> like the escape key the e is sort of half lit and and uh, I've, there are some other keys where, like, the bottom part or the bottom left corner or the bottom right corner, it sort of gets darker, which I don't think is good. I, I, I think, I, I you know, that doesn't seem to be up to an- Apple standards. Does it matter in the end that the escape key is not entirely equally evenly lit from behind? No, probably not. But it doesn't sound uh, very Apple-like. We've got a bunch of Ask Upgrade uh, MacBook-focused questions, um, so we should get to those. But before we do that, let's take a moment to thank our second sponsor of this week's episode, our friends over at Smile Software. And today, I want to tell you about PDF Pen Scan Plus. PDF Pen Scan Plus is the app for mobile scanning and OCR. It allows you to scan documents using OCR directly from your iPhone or iPad camera. It's a super powerful, really beautiful app, but more importantly, it's always with you. It's in your pocket all all times you have all that power of the scanning and the OCR. PDF Pen Scan Plus has recently been updated to version 2.0. It's a free upgrade for existing users, and it now helps you blast through stacks of documents and receipts better and quicker than ever before. PDF Pen Scan Plus now automates capturing an image, cropping it, and setting the size and color depth of the scan. It takes all of the taps out of the scanning process so that it's much faster and easier to use. You just point it at what you want it to scan and it will do it for you. Of course, you can export multiple documents at once, making batch scanning really super fast. And when you combine this with on-device OCR and automatic uploading to iCloud or Dropbox, you've got all the scanning and OCR power you need on a device that's right in your pocket. PDF Pen Scan Plus's OCR allows you to even grab file names and like date them automatically. It also lets you grab the text of your scan for copying and pasting to other apps smile make awesome products i love their stuff and pdf pen scan plus is just another another example of how they help me personally create like a mobile office i can work anywhere when i can then like if i go out for a business lunch of course i can use pdf pen scan plus take a picture of the receipt and it's done it's uploaded into dropbox for me and i can deal with it later i love this app it's just another tool in my smile tool belt pdf pen scan plus is now available in in the pdf business kit bundle with pdf pen for ipad and iphone for 21.99 so you can get pdf pen scan plus and pdf pen 
for iPad and iPhone for just $22. Um, alone, PDF Pen Scan Plus is $6.99, and PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone is $19.99 US. So really, you'd be crazy not to get the bundle, and you can get them all, and it'll be fantastic, and you'll have everything you need for PDFs wherever you want to be. The best scanner is the one that's with you, so grab, go and grab PDF Pen Scan Plus from the App Store today. You can learn more about PDF Pen Scan Plus and all the Smile stuff over at smilesoftware.com upgrade. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this week's episode. So, Jason, I'm going to run through some questions from the Upgradians. Um, We have at MJedi. Is the MacBook a good second Mac, for example, travel or around the house? Uh, MJedi has a 15-inch Retina MacBook Pro. Is this something, if somebody has the means and the desire to have a second laptop, um, which is easy to use, uh, nice and portable, would you recommend it in this case? Like how you have your 11. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, what I would say is what matters more to you, the keyboard or the screen? Um, if the screen matters more to you, I think I think the MacBook or the 13-inch Retina. Um, and if the keyboard matters more to you, it's the MacBook Air or the 13-inch Retina. Um, and if uh, power matters more to you and ports and things like that, then it's the Air or the or the Retina uh, MacBook Pro and not the MacBook. So it really depends on sort of like what you're looking for. Uh, and there and there are choices, which is great. I, I you know there are a lot of cranky people talking about this MacBook. It's like oh bro, it's, you know, Apple did this. It's terrible and awful because I can't use it. And, you know we've talked about that before. It's not maybe it's not for you. There are a lot of people. It's just it's not it's not a computer for everyone. It definitely isn't. The screen's great. And if you don't care about the the kind of uh, the issues that I have personally with a the keyboard, then you know it's it's light and thin and and nice. If you don't care about Retina, you know you can get a MacBook Air for cheaper. That's faster. <laughs> so you know, depends on what your priorities are. Uh, Timothy BT, um, do you know? I mean, I've tried to look this up. I can't see it on the website. Do you know how much the upgrade to the 1.3 gigahertz processor will cost? Yeah, do you that's, have any idea? I, yeah, I think it's 250. I think okay. Somebody looked that that was reported. I think it's 250 to make it slightly faster. Okay. Uh, we have MJ Huber Jr. I'm going to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, basically asking, like, with a, you know, with, a, with a multitude of adapters, will the cinema display work? And, and they, they list off a bunch of different adapters from, like, <laughs> third parties and Apple, and if you chain them all together. Do you have any idea if, if this machine can power a cinema display at all? Because what we'd what I'd understood is that the chipset just like you know it would wouldn't you, allow for, for what, certain things. What do you mean? Do you mean like the Thunderbolt display or some other display? Let's go with a Thunderbolt display, which I'm well, pretty sure I, my it can't understanding do. is yeah my understanding is Thunderbolt and USB C don't talk to each other. I I think otherwise if you can if you can chain things together, it may support it. It does support one external monitor and Apple sells a couple of adapters. And, you know, I, I think it would probably drive, you know, not, not, I don't know the details of how big a, I don't have an adapter to drive a monitor with it. So there's <laughs> nothing I've been able to test with it, but I'm sure it'll, it'll, if you can get it out in the right form, it'll drive sort of a normal sized uh, monitor. It's not going to drive a, you know, 4k, uh, display or something but i'm i'm sure it will drive your usual kinds of monitors if you adapt them properly geo historia has asked would you say that the new macbook 
could be a good choice for someone who's not used to using computers, like a first computer. Is it a good choice? Is it maybe better than an iPad or not? Oh, wow. I don't know. It's 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 for people who want to use a computer. It's not an iPad. It doesn't have a touch screen. It doesn't run those apps. It, it's a computer. Um, and if it's a for somebody who hasn't really had a computer before, I don't know. The MacBook Air is cheaper, but it doesn't have the beautiful display. And then there's you know the the MacBook and the and the MacBook Pro that have the beautiful display. So it depends on what again. It depends on what your priorities are. One of the nice things about the MacBook is that it is fitting into a a, a product line. This is not the only laptop. This is one of if you count the different sizes, one of five essentially choices that you have on Apple's laptop line now. So Fraser Spears is interested about video performance and how it holds up under thermal stress. And he's kind of given the idea of like if you're watching continuous flash video, or let's say you're watching Netflix or something like that. Have you had uh, any any kind of problems watching video for a long periods of time? Maybe when the machine starts to get hot and also a supplementary question, has the machine got hot? Uh, so Fraser, after he after Fraser asked that, I I um I ran uh, Major League Baseball in Chrome streaming video via Flash for an hour and a half, and it didn't stutter and it was perfectly smooth and it doesn't make any noise because there's no fan and the bottom got warm, but just warm. And S- sounds like you really wouldn't have enjoyed that homework. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was doing other things. Of I was course. I was listening to you and Casey, but I I, I left it on because I wanted to. It was it was like the, the the New York Mets. I don't care about the New York Mets, but there it was. Sorry, Mets fans. It's your team, not mine. Um, people in the chat room, by the way, are saying that uh, that according to Apple, um, it will drive um, up to thirty eight forty by twenty one sixty on an external display. So hmm. that's pretty pretty impressive. So that's you just got to get the ca- you just got to get the cabling right. Yeah, it could. You kind of like twenty adapters will chain together, but if you can get it, you can get yeah. it. If you can get it to work, or or probably or buy a cable. My guess is going to be or buy a cable. Right. So yeah, my my second question is: Have you had it get warm or hot at all? Because this is a fanless computer. Yeah, just like I said uh, about the about uh, the MLB streaming that Fraser had me try. You know, flash video streaming, just because that makes computers cry. Um, and it was warm on the bottom. I, I, that I, it, your mileage may vary. It it felt warm to me. It didn't feel uncomfortably hot, and it was sort of spread across a lot of the the back, which is the I think the idea there is to, um, they they've got some material that is like acting as the heat sink that's drawing it across the that the the back, and that's the whole idea is that that's where the heat goes out. Is it radiates out of the of the metal on the on the back side of the bottom of the laptop, and uh, it was warm, but it wasn't hot. I I don't think there's going to be one of those. Oh, I burn my, I burn my legs with my MacBook. I don't think that's a. I don't think that's an issue. It's not like the original MacBook Air. <laughs> my brother actually got a burn mark on his leg from using the original MacBook Air. Um, but that's a story for another day. Uh, I we have at Scrib. Uh, I've got a USB A to C cable. Um, could the MacBook charge from a USB charger with it? Do you know? Have you tried any of this? Like those external Mophie packs? In I don't, theory, I don't could have, you do it? I don't have any ad- any adapters that will allow me to do any of those things. In theory, yes. It might take forever. Yeah. Or charge it only a little. But in theory, yes, you could charge it. You could, in theory, you could charge it from another computer, probably, um, if you have the right cables. But I haven't been able to try a lot of that because all I really have is the one USB adapter, and 
it, it is an adapter to a USB-A female, which means that I, I can plug in other USB devices like a DVD drive or something, but, but not uh, connected to a computer because I don't have a you know, USB-A to USB-A cable. They didn't really make those. You know, they, they do exist, but, you know, nothing really shipped with one because generally what you have on a USB device is you've got the, the uh, you know, you're either going from the USB-A to like a mini or a micro or you're going to that big USB-B, the, 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 rec- the, the square instead of the rectangle. Um, and I don't, so I don't have the right cables to try a lot of this stuff, unfortunately. And Monoprice just announced that they've got those cables, but that was too late for, for my review. Kay Bradnam uh, asked, the trackpad looks bigger with a wider aspect ratio. Did this make any difference in day-to-day use? Nope. Feels like a trackpad. Feels, feels, uh, and that's saying something given that it doesn't actually, uh, you know, depress. It's all in your head. But it feels like a trackpad. It doesn't. It doesn't feel. Um, it feels exactly as somebody who uses a MacBook Air. It feels exactly the same. LJP UK. Um, how's the performance with photos? Scoring for a large library and stuff like that. Does the MacBook hold up? So I haven't had a chance to spend any time in photos on the MacBook because the MacBook I got came with ten ten two. And I only updated it to 10.10.3 yesterday because, of course, they have to build these things and put things on the drive, image the drives and put them in there and then ship them from the factory. And since 10.10.3 came out yesterday, all these MacBooks did not ship with 10.10.3. They shipped with 10.10.2. So my guess is that it works fine because everything else, everything I did try, and I got a lot of questions that were like, well, what about this app? Well, what about this app? Which I totally understand, but it's not possible for me to use every app. And the reality is the amount of time you, you spend testing a bunch of different apps, what you find is the exact same thing with all of them. So I did I did use Logic, for example, because that's uh, an app that I know uh, pretty well and that I can recognize the performance issues and uh, it didn't have any mostly I mean one of the big reasons is logic is so disk based and having an SSD means um, you know it, it, it runs pretty well um, but uh, photos in particular I didn't get a chance to use because I didn't have 10.10.3 on it until yesterday afternoon um, and so I just haven't tested it but generally everything's been fine that I've used yeah it's a little slow I, I find the interface not slow at all but anything that's like a super intensive calculation like bouncing a track out of logic uh, you know it takes it takes a lot longer than on my retina iMac that's for sure it's slower when it gets to into the processor intensive kind of cranking away at something you know it doesn't go as fast but I never in my regular use of it thought oh this thing is so slow I just it just never happened if you play try to play a game on it you would you, you know even though the graphics processor in it is fine you know it's it's you know it's slow it's not gonna blow you away it's not a game machine don't buy it if you want to use it to play games what well, that would be dumb don't do that um but anyway, so photos, photos though in particular, I I, I can't say because uh, it didn't ship with photos. It shipped with ten ten two, and I spent most of the time using ten ten two and not ten ten three. We have a, an email from Van Dan. Uh, Van Dan has said, uh, "I use an iPad for practically everything. I end up using my MacBook only at work, thanks to Xcode and OmniGraffle and some other software. Because of this, I've noticed that the applications that I use tend to have a Mac app, an iPhone app, and an iPad app. Considering the MacBook spec, and I'm sure that he, Van Dan has said he's, he's sure a lot of users will be looking at getting the MacBook to replace their iPads. Do you think that people will feel that way? And if they do, does it make sense to do this?" 
you know the 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 iBook or the the iPad and the MacBook are just totally different products. They're totally different products. They they don't. I don't think there's a continuum there. I think you use you use a Mac for Mac things and you use an iPad for iPad things. And so, you know, this. I don't think this is as dramatic a, a change as as maybe you could make it out to be. The 11 inch MacBook Air is already really small. <laughs> You know, and it's really thin and it's really light. It's not as small and thin and light as the MacBook, but it is pretty close. And it doesn't have a Retina display. That's the big difference. But you know, this is not an iPad. This is a this is a laptop, and you're going to make judgments about it based on whether you want to use a laptop or an iPad. I don't think somebody would say, "Well, I've been using an iPad, but I really rather just use a Mac." But the MacBook Air is not good enough for me. Oh, now, but now that there's this MacBook, now I'll make. I'll make the switch. I don't think that's going to be a main. I, I mean, maybe somebody will say that, but I like those people who have spreadsheets on their uh, Windows mobile phones in 2006. But um, but I don't think that's a broad uh, uh, statement that that lots of people would make. So uh, you know, I, I I have a I I don't know how to answer that question other than to say that this is a continuation of of Apple making the laptops thinner and lighter. I don't think it has any impact on the iPad. I, I doubt there are people using an iPad saying I'd really rather use a Mac for this, but uh, you know the existing Mac offerings are just too big for me. It's you know it's still it's still a MacBook. It's not some weird hybrid. So my last question uh, comes again from uh, MJ Live. So his second question today: uh, If you could get only one, which would you choose—the Apple Watch or the new MacBook? Well, I have a MacBook Air 11, so the Apple Watch. Are you going to be pre-ordering <laughs> uh, an Apple Watch? Yeah. Pr- probably, probably, because I need to have one. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm still hoping that I can talk somebody in at Apple into giving me a uh, a review unit to try out. But um, I I can't count on that, and I do need to have one to write yeah. about. So I will. I will probably pre-order something. So I think in in summary, the way that I feel from talking to you about this, you, I wouldn't say you you sound down on this machine, but you're not super excited about it, which I think echoes our original uh, expectations, yeah. which is this is not your machine. So you're not crazy about it, but it's got things that are good about it that will be good for some people. Yeah. But this yeah, is not the, one for you. The USB-C thing is not a hang-up for me. In the end, what I would say, what surprised me is that I think only the keyboard is the thing that really is is bothering me. If you had the MacBook Air's keyboard on this thing, then I would say, yes, absolutely, the next laptop I buy. And again, having a recent model MacBook Air, it's not going to be for a while, would be the MacBook. With this keyboard, eh, I'll think about it. I'm not, you know, I'm not entirely sold on it. But... Um, but I, I and I think I do think the keyboard is the, its weakest point, and for a lot of people it won't matter, and so that's that's good for them because the weakest point is irrelevant to them, and then don't worry about it. But to me, the USB-C stuff is going to take care of itself. I think the battery life is pretty good. I know there there are some people who reported um, that they did like serious uh, battery tests and said that it didn't uh, live as long as the uh, as the MacBook Air. Um, that does not, I think Joanna Stern reported that and Recode reported that. That does not match with my usage at all. Um, I suspect that this, the power saving in here is doing some very interesting things that mean it has a long battery life when you use it like a regular person, but that if you crank everything up and and try to deplete the battery really quickly, it depletes quickly. Um, but I, I, I don't know if that's something that anybody would really see. For me, it felt like it lasted a lot longer than my 11-inch air. 
Um, take that for what you will, because I didn't run any formal tests because I'm only one person. And if you run a lot of formal battery tests, you've just lost half of your time with the product. So I, I can't do that. Um, couldn't do that in Macworld. Can't do it now. It's just, it's, it's not, it's not worth it. If you're really going to do it right, it takes way too much time. It's not worth doing when you're, when you're initially reviewing something. So, um, you know, I think that for a lot of people, uh, running it without it plugged in and occasionally plugging in a, a, an external USB device, which I don't think a lot of people are doing anyway. I just don't think it's a big deal. And it's going to take care of itself in the next six months or in the next year. It's already starting to take care of itself. You buy an adapter, you buy a cable, you move on. So um, I, I don't think any of those are really roadblocks. It The, the screen is great. Um, I actually ended up running it on the um, on the biggest uh, or I guess littlest scaled mode, so I got a little more screen real estate and everything's just a little bit smaller. Looks great. Um, it's all the space of like a 13 inch uh, laptop on a 12 inch laptop. You know, I, 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 there are a lot of things to commend it. I, I think for me, I am just hung up on the keyboard, and that's just that's that's my that's my cross to bear. And if you're somebody who cares about keyboards, then you may care about it too. But I think probably most people won't care. I want to try it out. I want to see if I can feel it. I I, would, I don't think I'll be able to. Like, or, or at least I'll maybe feel a difference, but I don't think it will bother me as it bothers you. So I'm interest. I'm interested. That's my hypothesis. Mm. So when I, whenever I, whenever it is, I go into the Apple Store to try on an Apple Watch. I will. I'll also play around with the with the MacBook, and I'll I'll let you know what I think about the keyboard. Because I'm just not. I I'm just I obviously I type like everybody does but I don't type nowhere near as much as you do and and I and I think that maybe that I might maybe less sensitive to it than than you but we'll see we'll see yeah thank you Mr Jason Snell thank you for doing this today um it's just, it's been an, an interesting experiment into to getting a little bit more uh, director's commentary out of this uh bonus this product bonus upgrade time but we'll be back with uh on our at our usual time next week for our usual upgrade. Yeah, re- our regularly scheduled programming will mm-hmm. continue on Monday. Um, I just couldn't couldn't be away from the show for for any any longer. I just couldn't allow it. Yeah, I approve. I appreciate it. After our two, you know, you couldn't stay away after our two nope. podcasts in person. You just couldn't uh, you couldn't let it go. Couldn't let it go. If you mm. want to find the show notes for this week's episode, of course you can check in your app of choice. You'll find links to Jason's review. I put Jim Darrell's review in there as well because you mentioned that. Mm. I'll put Jonas stands in too because you, you mentioned those, so you can get uh, some d- differing opinions if if you would like to. Um, so you can grab those, or you can go to relay.fm/upgrade/thirty-one and you'll see that lovely link list there for you so you can check all those out if you want to find us on social media there's a couple ways you can do that you can go to at jsnell j-s-n-e-double-o you can find jason on twitter there i am at imike i-m-y-k-e and of course jason is the editor-in-chief of the fantastic sixcolors.com where you'll find all of jason's great work oh don't forget the incomparable too because you just should never forget the incomparable because it's the best award-winning award-winning (laughs) award-winning incomparable Um, you win the award of my heart too Jason for for the work that you do there so thank you for doing all of that and uh, thank you so much for listening to this very special episode and we'll be back next week bye bye goodbye goodbye